vibration where his palm lay open against the window. No longer able to ignore danger, Taras lifted his cane and banged hard on the roof. But it was too late. The vehicle lurched to the right as the axle snapped, the scream of the driver eerie in the darkness, the splintering of wood, the quick crunch of the door on his side against earth, the rolling shock of impact as people tumbled over and over, When his head was thrown against metal, a sharp pain followed. And then, silence. Bodies were everywhere. The groans of the older woman taking precedence, the sobs of her son, muted and fearful. The other two occupants made no noise at all, and Taras's hands reached over. The woman beside him still breathed. He could feel the warmth of air against his fingers, whilst the previously snoring gentleman had neither pulse nor breath, his neck arched at a strange angle. Inky blackness now covered everything, the lamps gone and the moon tonight a slice of nothing. His world, easier than daylight. Throwing down his cane, he stood Beatrice Maud Bassingstoke could barely believe what had happened. Her head ached, and her top lip was cut inside. An accident. A terrible accident. The realization made her shake, and she clamped her mouth shut to try to hide the noise as her teeth chattered together. In the slight beam of light, the dark-haired stranger gently lifted the lifeless body of a man whom she could see was well and truly dead, and laid him on the floor. The older woman opposite broke into peals of panicked terror as she too registered this fact, and her younger companion tried fruitlessly to console her. Enough, madam. The tall man's voice brooked no argument, and the woman fell silent, a greater problem now taking her attention. It... it is freezing... At least we're still alive, Mama, and I'm certain that this gentleman can repair things. Her grown son looked up, supplication written on his face. He made no effort at all to rise himself, but stayed with his arm around his mother's shoulders in a vain attempt to keep her warm, for the whole side of the carriage lay buckled and twisted, the door that had been there before completely missing. If you'll give me a moment... I'll try to cover the opening. The tall man's cape was caught by the wind as he stepped out, the crumpled chassis of the coach making his exit more difficult than it would otherwise have been. Framed by snow, she saw his hair escape the confines of his queue and fall night black against the darkness of his clothes, and she could barely wrench her eyes from his profile. He was the most beautiful man she'd ever seen. The thought hit her with all the force of surprise, and she squashed down such ridiculousness. Frankwell Bassingstoke had been a handsome man, too, and look where that had got her. Swallowing, she turned back towards the woman, and rummaging in her reticule, pulled out a handkerchief and handed it over. Where did the man go to? Why is he not back? 
The older woman's voice held panic as she took the cloth and blew her nose soundly, the hysteria of fright heightened by a realization that their lives depended on the one who had just left them to find the missing portal. Already the temperature had dropped further. The air was harder to breathe. Lord, B thought, what must it be like outside in the snow and the wind and the icy tracks of road with only a slither of light? Perhaps he had perished, or was in need of a voice to call him back to the coach, lost as he was in the whiteness. Perhaps they sat here as he took his last breath in a noble but futile effort to save them. Angry both at her imagination and immobility, she wrapped her cloak around her head so that only her eyes were visible, and edged herself out into the weather, meaning to help. He stood ten yards away, easing the driver from the base of a hedge, carefully.